My psychic senses are telling me that you are spiritually curious. I'm just kidding. If you found your way here, most likely <laughs> you are interested or curious about energy, the secrets of the universe, the magic of the unseen. There is a lot of conflicting information out there about how to tune into energy beings properly, how to build your intuition, how to cleanse things, yada, yada, yada. I know how overwhelming it can be, so I created a one-stop shop for all of your spiritually curious, psychic expansive self-care needs where you can build your own spiritual practice with guidance, tools, and a safe place to explore your curiosities and connect to your intuition. There's a ton of crash courses covering topics ranging from meeting your spirit guides to trans-channeling to manifesting. You get distance Reiki healings for a wide range of needs, such as moving through discomfort or support stepping into a new chapter or even help calling in creativity. Subscribers get 15% off all full-price services, a monthly group Zoom hangout where the weird is our normal. There are exclusive channeling videos, expansive conversations, guided meditations, movement meditations, weekly reflections, intuitive practices, this podcast, ad-free and as a video, and so much more. New content is uploaded every week, so there's constantly new stuff for you to learn from, digest, and various practices to keep you grounded in your body. And all of this, might I add is only $7 per month. So if you're ready to align to your best self and show up as your inner being, a priceless investment in yourself, you can head over to channelwithamber.com slash subscribe to give it a peek. I'll see you over there. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. I am so excited to welcome you or introduce you to my friend Michael today. We talked about so many good things. This is definitely one of my favorite episodes. We discussed everything from the body seasons to the human energy field, time traveling, concepts of I and oneness. We even tapped into this parallel realm at the end, which was cool. If you're curious to see what it's like to train with me, that's basically what it's like. So get a little sneak peek into that. So excited. Here we go. Michael Howes is an extremely expressive spiritual being experiencing a life of joy, freedom, giving, and creating experiences. He is the CEO of Our New Energy and passionately shares his mission that everyone deserves a life of unfuckwithable expression, deep soul connections, and living their dream reality. He is an avid creator, expressive dancer, nature lover, cold shower enthusiast, and more. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with him or learn more about him, you can find him at ournewenergy.com and on Instagram at it's Michael, but with a 17 before the L. So M-I-C-H-A-E 17L. I spoke about uh, a few episodes ago how I received an influx of new people named Michael. This is one of those, <laughs> said Michael. He was one of the early ones uh, last year. I first met him doing um, sessions. He was a client of mine and very quickly... We both knew that, like, we we're definitely part of the same soul family. I started mentoring him, and we've just become really close. He has such a, like, creative mind. I just cherish him dearly, and I am so excited for you to listen to this conversation. Here we go. Here we go. 
Hello, friend. Thanks for joining me. Oh. Are you okay? At the most. Okay, yeah. This is this is a great way to start. So <laughs> I love it. I always have my do not disturb on every single day from it goes from 5 p.m. to no, it goes from 10 p.m. to 5 p.m. So basically from 5 p.m. at night to 10 p.m. at night. If whoever calls me, it doesn't right away go to voicemail, but I turned it off because I knew you're gonna call. Oh, I thought you were gonna call. And I because I have a I have so many freaking telemarketers call me. Mm. And one of them literally just called as you said hello. So <laughs> beautiful timing here. Oh, you should have answered. You could have joined him in the conversation. <laughs> that would have been a lot of fun. Sure if it happens again, we can we can add them on. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. What would you like to talk about, friend? Oof, there are so many beautiful things that I could go on and on and on about. Um, but really, so you piqued my interest when you said time. Mm-hmm. You know, I could go on and on and on about time. And so I feel like I have not consciously created that space for myself in so long. And also, also sleeping dreams. I also love those so much. I have so many vivid ones to the point where I've now become a dream reader for a few people, including people in my family. What does that mean? So I like I like this belief that I have. It's I'm awake in my amazing dream. I don't know exactly where it came from, but I absolutely love it. And so when people have dreams, okay, when they're sleeping, I call them sleeping dreams. And for, let's say my mom, for example, she had a dream last night and she told me about it and I read it for her. It was a very simple dream. There is usually more complex ones, but I'll I'll share it because why not? She, she was like, she, I woke up, I woke up this morning. She woke up too. And she's like, Michael, I had a, such a weird dream. And I was like, okay, tell me. She's like, I dreamed that people came up to me and asked if you were in the MLB. And I was so, so of course, how I interpret dreams is different than someone else. But the way that I interpreted that, given my life circumstances right now, is I've been really stepping into being more confident. And I've been saying this to a few people. And I'm like, I feel like I'm getting more professional and owning my shit more. And so the way that I took that sleeping dream and I read it because I knew it applied to me was I feel like people are looking at me as more of a professional now. Mm. And another way I read that was people are now seeing that and sharing that with my mom who used to think I was not. So she is also seeing that. Mm. So I, I love, I love, I love, I love sleeping dreams because I genuinely think they mirror this reality and that, and of course there's some like one-offs, but really are they one-offs and like nightmares and stuff. And they can give so much information into how we, how and why we operate. And then I don't know about you. I'd love to hear yours too, but mine reflect a lot about confidence because that is something that I have struggled with for really decades and now that I'm fully stepping into it or so I believe a lot of them are mirroring the fact that I am fully stepping into confidence and I'll have sleeping dreams about people looking up to me Mm. which is it's such a gift it's such a gift so I I could go on and on and we will about sleeping dreams but I'm curious if if you have any or if, if 
if you read that dream a different way than I did. No, I love your interpretation of it. I feel like, let's see, for my sleeping dreams, I feel like I go through phases in my spiritual practice where I'm like all about a specific method of connection and then I kind of leave it alone and then jump into something else and I was actually going through a phase where I was really connected to dreams and writing them down and staying uh, just very aware of them. And then that kind of died down. I don't know. I just go through weird phases. So right now, like last night, I don't know what I dreamed about. If Oh, I had a bunch of dreams. Ah, I remember something. Uh, two days ago, um, I was sleeping and I had a lot to do. I've been feeling, I'm in a weird shift again. I feel like I've been in a weird shift, <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> Every, I was actually, I was talking to, um, my boyfriend had come home and I had uh, said like, I hate just singing now. I feel like I'm going through like, there's a big shift happening right now. And he's like, you say that every time you're about to start your period. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's fascinating. That like blew my mind. And it kind of, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I'm going to circle back. But um, when, I mean, you're not, you don't have periods. But <laughs> when, you're on, <laughs> when you're on your period, there's this sense of hibernation that happens. And I feel like I'm starting to subconsciously tune into my body's natural seasons to the point where during winter, it's like everything kind of calms, everything is becomes clear. And then the like seeds for the springtime start to be planted. Um, and that's been happening very subconsciously, which is kind of cool. And additionally, I feel like in general, I've been more in tune with my body's functioning and I'm not honestly really sure I mean, I've been doing work to get to this point, but I'm not really sure what totally fostered that. But anyways, so the I don't know what how this is relevant to what I'm going to say, but the other day I was, oh yeah, so I, that's right. I'm going through another shift right now and my anxiety has been really high. I just filmed the podcast with Rashad yesterday, actually. No, the day before yesterday. Uh, and I was talking about that. and. I feel like there was a night that I, like all of my dreams were essentially everything I had to do during like the next morning. You know, it was literally like everything I dreamed about was just me going through it. And I feel like my body right now is trying to learn how to sort through excess, uh, I don't know, just stuff like let go of what I don't need let go of the unnecessary you know which I feel like I've been constantly having to like refocus in and do but with that dream or with that that whole night literally I dreamt that I went to I had to go to AutoZone I dreamt that I went to AutoZone but the AutoZone I went to was like really small and only had like this tiny little wall of product and none of it was what I needed and it was just a mess and like but everybody was super nice and then I had to go to uh, like the grocery store and there was I don't know it was just everything was very weird and I feel like it was just reminiscent of the fact that I've been making things more difficult for myself because I've been overstressing. so with that it was kind of allowing me to process through uh, I guess the ways in which I am blocking myself right now or just making things a little bit more difficult for myself because that's been 
the most present in my field of like, how can you be more efficient, get rid of all of this garbage, you know, but it was like almost, yeah, making that bigger for me to be receptive to. I have so many questions on what you said. I'm going to do my best to go one at a time. We'll go backwards, forwards. Something I'm so grateful for you that you taught me a while ago was about the body's natural seasons. And while guys don't have periods, I do feel like guys also have them. But I I feel like just by nature, females are more in touch with their seasons than guys are. But I, I and and maybe you know, maybe you don't, but I'm I'm so damn curious about because I really agree with you on the winters for guys, but I don't know. I don't know yet if like my, say my winter is when I'm feeling down versus when my body's tired for three days. And I don't know how to like determine that if it's mm. yeah, I'm overstressing or it's an actual winter. Well, any kind of discomfort is a sign that there's some sort of imbalance happening, yes. whether that's physically or emotionally. So I feel like both, just as you may feel down emotionally, feeling down physically in, which will manifest as like fatigue and stuff like that is essentially the same thing, but just in different areas. So it's a sign that you're like overworking your body. Your body wants calmness and stillness, you know, but you're pushing against that, which is causing, causing a bit of an imbalance. That's, that's so true. And, and, I've so one of the things I've noticed about myself I deem this term it's called I call it turn back decisions mm -hmm. where because we make so many fucking decisions every day and and some of them that I have made are not say from a place of peace they're from a place of rushing I'll call it mm -hmm. and I've noticed when I have these turn back decisions one of them might be literally as simple as when I'm going a shower in the morning it might be like oh rush yourself or like dry yourself quicker and it's such a unconscious habit but I'll notice it and I'll hear that thought it's like oh you need to rush and I question that I'm like what am like why do I need to rush like, like really what am I rushing for and it's so it's so crazy how much anxiety you mentioned this earlier feeling so anxious I've been dealing with, it, with this so much and cleansing my system of it but so many little tiny anxious thoughts like you need to rush, you need in hard emphasis on need. You need to get this done now. And if it's a minute late, then it's 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 nothing's going to pan out as you want it to or everyone's going to hate you or whatever it is. And they're so intense. And I'm like, and I, and I don't know, of course, exactly where they come from, but I'm, I'm trying to do my best and I am doing my best myself. And I'm like to little Michael, to little scared Michael, like, hey, buddy, it's okay. We don't need to rush. We don't need to get everything done perf perfectly. But I feel like that in terms of rushing, I mean, that's usually correlated to uh, a lack mentality of just yes. feeling like there's not enough time of the day when you can literally manipulate time. It's true. Very true. Oh, oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. I have I have a thought real quick. <laughs> this is going to get weird. <laughs> this is going to get weird, but I had a thought. <laughs> <laughs> talking <laughs> there's this idea so in ancient egypt i don't know some sort of ancient civilizations um there was an emphasis on um menstrual blood for women and semen for men 
where these are both like two forces of creation. I believe it is documented that they used to make an elixir of both and drink it. <laughs> but there is <laughs> there is a um yeah. And I started thinking about the seasons. I believe the feminine is connected to like fall and winter and masculine would be more like spring, summer. And it's interesting how, ooh, that's kind of beautiful. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's like uh, menstrual blood is representative of like being able to hold, have a baby. I know in some, <clears throat> for a while in a lot of civilizations, I think, uh, this is still present in some religions how when a woman is menstruating like she can't step foot in um like a church or a place of worship um in some cultures all the women that were menstruating would be like away in their own little group um they thought they were very like magical or very connected to their psychic abilities at that point um it's like connecting to that divine feminine um and then with men semen obviously carry sperm which then create babies so it's like um it's it's interesting <clears throat> how our bodies i feel like it's a very representational of the yin and yang you know what i'm saying yeah definitely and and uh so many so many theories come to my mind when you say uh, about women and, and bring up different say religious sex and what they do with them and i, I really love that concept of the fact that masculine is more spring and summer and feminine is fall and winter it makes sense in my mind fall and winter wise of course reaping and then winter period not being able to hold and, and getting rid of maybe not getting rid of is the best term but and then spring with men like planting seeds i don't entirely understand summer um, well it's like like things are blossoming it's like go fiery hot yang um, is with the sun like it's heat it's go it's it's active huh all right and then you know what i'm saying yeah it, it makes more sense and then as i think about the what you said about the religious sex and and maybe even not not solely religious it could be an entire culture i'm i'm curious how you see this so you know everyone has an aura or maybe maybe multiple i'm also I'm, okay before i actually get to that do you think it's possible for someone to have two different auras at the same time? Well, there are multiple. I mean, the aura is essentially the human energy field. And in the human energy, human energy field, there are many layers to it. Okay. So is that what you mean? Or do you mean like two energy fields <laughs> in one body? So I actually don't know entirely yet. I'm still formulating this for myself. And and so how I how I see an aura is it okay, this is an easy example for me. It's as and I know it's deeper than this, but this is how I simplify it. You you have a circle of energy around you. And at hopefully not, but at some points the energy is not perfectly circular and it's damaged, it's whatever it is. Um and I know, say like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe like blue dark blue is like the layer one and then bright orange is the outer layer almost like a sun um but i'm also so curious here and, and time gets involved here as well because when you have parallel lives and you can call them past lives and so on 
you're experiencing in that moment, and this is something I thrive off of. It's come naturally to me, but it's also, it's something I've worked on a lot is the dichotomy of things. You have both say only yourself in that moment, because really that's all there is. And slash, but you also have two, maybe even three or four yous in that moment. And, and this isn't even say with just past lives. It's also when you really, the majority of people's lives, when they imagine their past, they relive their past and imagine their future. It's like you have to, or the way I see it is sometimes you almost integrate another aura, which is yours. And for, say, like a split second, time is so fucking weird. It's like two R's. It's, how could I put it? It's like two circles. And the circles are, what's what's the word? It's I get the, what you're saying. They're like conjoining yeah. or whatever. I get what you're saying. I'm going to offer you a different perspective. Okay. And it's kind of the idea of, okay, Taoism or no, Zen Buddhism. I don't know. I think it's all <laughs> from the same thing. But the idea is to reach enlightenment. All it requires is you to realize that you've been enlightened the whole time. And so I feel like with two auras, it's not that they're separate. They've been the same one the whole time. I see that. I see that. I, I, have, I have thoughts on this and I'd like to ask, I've been reading. So when I was a little kid, I listened to Alan Watts and this is something I've recognized as my truest self. And so I've been listening to him a lot recently and he talks a lot about the Wu Wei slash Zen Buddhism slash mm -hmm. something. And I listened to a video last night of his and you just got, I love that quote so much. I'm definitely taking that with me. You've been enlightened the whole time. That's so true. Jesus Christ. But anyway, so he talks about asking the question and I love asking simple questions and it's really why. And he says, he gives examples, but he basically goes on saying, if you can, so what do you want? And at the beginning, you don't know. Midway through the journey, you think you know. Say you want more money, you want better relationships, etc. And then you start to realize you really don't know what you really want. And like, so the question of what do you want is the same question of who are you? <laughs> Sorry, in my head, I was thinking of in the notebook. It's like, what do you want? It's like, not that easy. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I love how your mind works. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but, so you you ask that question, what do I really want? What do I really desire? And also, who am I? And I think for me, a path of, it's not even a path because you're already enlightened. It's just, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. But it's like, do you actually really know who you are? Because like, really, who are you? And, and I like to ask that question because now I factor in time. And it's like this, another question is, well, where slash when are you? Do you really know? Because if, if you're like, well, I'm in, what it was it? 2023. I have to look at my calendar to remember that, geez. When you're in 2023, <laughs> it's like, well, well, what are you doing to measure that? What, 2023 years since apparently Jesus Christ was born? Okay, but what if you were somewhere else? Like, when are you? I have a well, question for you. Yeah. Why do you have to know? Oh, that that begs another question in my mind. It's like, well, that, that's you know, a good answer. 
you know what's interesting I feel like and I've been thinking about this a lot it's very peculiar how okay I guess with like spirituality I feel like as you are developing or just even self-care with self-care self-love whatever you build habits you start learning how to set boundaries. You start like there are all of these little building blocks, but then I feel like once you graduate from that and embody the essence of love as a whole, none of those are applicable anymore. And so it's like, you get what I'm saying? Or do I need to explain that? A little bit. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah. So if you are completely embodying love, you don't necessarily need boundaries or like the way that you approach boundaries are very different because a lot of times we approach boundaries from a place of um I have had a bad experience so now I'm setting the rules I'm claiming my territory due to this bad experience and I want to feel better so this is what I require to feel better but when you're operating from love there's a sense of and I'm talking about like deep embodiment it's almost like um the Dalai Lama so the way that he interacts with people is going to be very different than your average person. If they make decisions, it's kind of like, oh, I understand that you're making this decision from X, Y, Z. Um, I'm going to do what I need to to care for my people, but I love you just as much as I love. You. Like it's the boundaries aren't as strict and they're a lot more free flowing. The way that their approach is different. It's almost like they're up in order to help maintain humanity. Okay. But they're not necessarily like emotionally required. Huh. Okay. I I'm I see what you mean and I feel there's little space my mind's trying to pro- analyze this which, which yeah. is not the best way of approaching this. Oh no no, you're fine because this is kind of a very abstract topic. Um so I guess another way of saying it as well is when let's see As I've started to try to embody pure love, I've noticed that if somebody does something that perhaps may have hurt my feelings, I'm not hurt. Instead, I want to be there to support them because I'm understanding that they're coming from a place of hurt. Mm -hmm. I'm unaffected. You know what I'm saying? My need to set strict rules is slowly dissipating. Because I'm very confident and secure in what I need and who I am. And I know that my needs are always going to be met. I'm more concerned with ensuring we are all kind of like moving as this like morphing object together in a way that helps foster all of our growth. I, I just saw that for you. It's so true. It's that's what we call it waking up is becoming spiritually enlightened is it's and if you're in the position where you're able to say that and really feel that, and I can see that you are, it means that you've, for the simplicity of this term, I'll say it, you filled up your own cup and now you've also mm-hmm. recognized that we're all one. Mm-hmm. And so you see no need to protect yourself because you already have that trust and love that you already mm-hmm. are protecting yourself. Where it's it's like a duh, like, a, oh, duh, of course I'm protected. Of course, I mean, without being like, I'm not going to insert perfectionism here, but of course I'm protected. And so when someone hurts me, it's like, well, okay, like I got me. So I love me. I know you don't mean this against me. So, so what's wrong with you, man? 
And that's really, that's really in a, in a sentence, what waking up is, what really, if, if you hurt or if you hurt me, if you try to hurt me, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm actually going to try to help you because you're actually the one who's hurting. Right. Exactly. But I feel like in order to like, and for my personal journey Mm -hmm. here, I've had to go through a lot of trauma and like violation and whatever to then begin standing up for myself to set those boundaries and then once I have all of my boundaries in place it's just kind of like a oh I don't need any of this I haven't needed any of this at all like it's really strange you know um what were we talking about before this why did I bring this up I'm trying to let's see Because my point was going to be that there's this interesting thing where we, oh, the auras, was it about the auras combining? I think it, or oh, about like, who are you? Oh, why do we need to, okay. So it's kind of like with even a journey with self-love or something like that, we are taught or a practice will usually be, well, begin spending time with yourself, get to know who you are, understand your likes and dislikes and blah, blah, blah. But then I feel like once you have all of that information to kind of explode out of that, you just kind of release all of it. And it all like none of it matters. You just are, and you're just present. But because you've already I don't know. It's just such a weird like cycle. You know what I'm saying? That we have all of these like building blocks that we have to make. And then it gets to the point where it's like, wait, I don't need any of this. It hasn't mattered this whole time. Yes. That you have such an elegant way of explaining such complex topics, but that's so true. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) I'm trying my best. (laughs) And the reason you do is because you're saying it from your experience. You can read about this as much as you want, but until you actually experience it, it's a whole different. You can logically know it's true, but emotionally it's a whole other story. You're speaking from your heart right now, which is your, you've been through it. So fuck yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, but really it's, you build up in personal belief from my own experience here is you build up in your, your mind, all these things you don't like and that you do like. And then as you start to, I'm going to say, I'm going to use this term very specifically and purposely. As you start to, um, what is it? Uh, it's not fall. It's not be hypnotized. It's, I'll say, I'll say fall. As you start to fall into pure love, which is the essence of you, the essence of this universe, you realize that you don't need to like anything. You don't need to dislike anything because you love everything. And because you love everything, you recognize that really who you are will, and I'm talking about like your nature, because I, I do believe people's nature, and so you could call this your mission, will pull you certain ways. Maybe in terms of doing careers, writing, singing, dancing, traveling, etc. That will begin to pull you so that you won't need to dislike anything. You won't even need to like anything. You'll be so connected with who you are. It's like a duh. Whatever you do is a duh. Whatever you do is out of love, for love, and in love. Because you're it's 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 like you're being you, but it's it's not the you that you think you are. It's it's 
it's almost unexplainable, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And you were, I think, and I feel like that's that's like being your inner being. You are like being the universe, experiencing this moment in time in this corner. You know. Yeah, it's it's such a weird concept when you think about it, and this is. I don't know how on earth the ego factors into this, but you realize that you're an actual pillar. You could call it, what's the word? A channel for the universe. And and I feel my own ego wanting to be like, no, this is not true, but I actually think it is. That's that's your purpose. You're, I, I took a day off from my phone. Uh, that's not true. I took three or four days off from my phone. Uh, what is it, like two months ago in November? Three months? And no screens, no laptop, no TV. I don't even watch TV in general, but no screens. And I had this realization in the car that life's not about I, it's about we, because if you're living for me, it's pointless. And so I genuinely believe that, like, if you're living, and I say this carefully, because, like, of course, everyone has desires. But, like, if you're living, say, just for yourself, you're going to be eventually be a little bit sad or maybe even miserable because, you're a channel for the universe. And when you're living just for yourself, it's like you're cutting off the entire universe, except for like a tiny little point. And then on the opposite, when you're living just for everyone else, you're, you're almost including the entire universe, but you're cutting off a tiny little point. So when you're living for yourself and others, you're being what you came here to be, which I think is a channel. I have I have a challenge. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Isn't the universe I? Oh, so shit. shouldn't you? <laughs> shouldn't you live? <laughs> <in the eye? laughs> oh, I get. So, oh, all right. Shit. So, all right. This is where my love of um, Zen Buddhism and the Wu Wei and stuff like this comes in. What? I'd really, I'd really like to know your answer to this. What is I? What does that even mean? Oh, there are many layers to it. Um, okay. The I is whatever we associate ourselves with. That is my, that, I feel like that encompasses various layers. Because the communities we feel connected to is essentially an I. It's almost like the energy that you carry in your field. You know what I'm saying? I feel yeah. like it becomes part of you. So the I is only as far as what you associate yourself with. That's so interesting. Okay. So I remember my like seventh grade English teacher telling me this, or maybe someone else. And she made this such a damn point. And it, clearly I remember it. She's like, it's, what is, I don't know the word, but it was basically, you can't use a word and it's def, if, if a, you can't use a word in its definition to define itself. So I noticed that. So in, in your definition of I, you use the word we. But like, okay, so what is what is we? What does that what does that mean? What is what is what is so so you and me we make up we, but but what is that? Is that a collective energy field or 
are you on your own already a collective energy field? I think or- it's, it's, and I feel like that's where the definition of I is. It's whatever you associate with, like associate yourself with, because it could be we as two separate entities, or we could be I, one entity, or we could even be infinite entities if we're bringing in like the concept of parallels and past lives and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I do. I have so many thoughts, but I'd, I'd like to bring up past lives because I feel like I've, I've definitely something to learn on this today because you're so good with this. So you're so nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So I love how you say you're welcome every time I say thank you. I don't know why it's just bringing me joy. (laughs) (laughs) So with with past energy fields, there is so much for me to discover here. And I feel like this is one of my, my soul's missions here. And I'm so grateful for it. Something that's always... I'm not going to say bug me because I'm not labeling, recalling that story. Something I've always been perplexed by is the the thought of, okay, so we can re-experience our past if we bring it up in our mind, but there actually has to be a way. I'm fully convinced on this. Ever since I was a little kid and everything I've believed since I was a little kid has already panned out in my life except for this. And maybe it already has and I've forgotten. And one of the things I remember when I was a little kid, I'm going to give a little intro on this to you, is I remember thinking if I if I get sick or part of my body hurts, I can send it thoughts from my mind and it will heal. And of course, it turned out to be true. And I thought I was like being some psychic for that. And of course, I was. And so another one, blah, blah, blah. There's so many. But the one that has not yet panned out yet, yet, is... I genuinely believe that you can physically, like I'll call it ease of simplicity, travel through slash in time. But even saying that doesn't sound like there's a part that that I'm incorporating. I don't know yet what it is, but you can say travel outside of time. Like you're a little dot on a graph and put yourself in a different part of that graph and actually physically be there. So there can be, I'll say two versions of you. I have no idea how that actually exists. Yet. Like you're bilocating? Yeah, exactly. But I, I know how it's possible, say, just in your mind. But I'm fully convinced there's some physical way of actually teleporting yourself to a, a physical moment in the past or in the future. So, and, yeah. There are um, in some uh, native tribes uh, with shamans, there are some shamans that have been known to shapeshift into other animals um, where there are stories of like, there's this one guy that was uh, talking to, I think this story was told in Shaman Healer Sage, that book. Did I ever recommend that book to you? Okay. Uh, there's a shaman that I used to go to a lot and his story is crazy. He was a doctor. He was like a devout Christian. And then he went on vacation to the Amazon and this tribe was like, you're a shaman. We need to train you right now. And it completely changed his life. He, um, 
retired from his practice and is now a shaman and he goes to the amazon um for like half the year every year um to work on his shamanism but the man that had trained him has a book called shaman healer sage and in the book i don't know if he trained him i don't know the correlation or the relationship between them but nonetheless um this guy was in the amazon with some tribe and i i'm I haven't read the story in a while so I'm probably screwing it up but basically there was this medicine woman or something like that and um I believe it was like she had told him that she could shapeshift but he wasn't sure and then he was uh outside and he saw this like giant bird like stare at him or there was some really bizarre experience with this bird where he was like holy fuck, that's her. <laughs> and she, I think she confirmed it or something like that. But there was some sort of story of this interaction like that. Um, and I love stories like that. They're fascinating. So I definitely believe that actually, even in Taoism, there's uh, they believe of like going into the mountains and shape-shifting into various animals. The concept of shape-shifting, I mean, and you're not talking about shape-shifting, but I feel like it kind of coincides with a similar idea it has been around for a while, you know? And I feel like in order to shapeshift, you have to almost detach from the I that you believe you are and move more into a universally present I. And the more that you can operate as the universe, there's the cactus outside. The cactus, this couch, as being I, you're able to start, you're able to be, then become the I. Oh my fuck, you just, wow, okay. Okay, I just got so much clarity, thank you. So what I realized, um, I don't know, a year ago, I... I, I pulled up something on the internet that was something about Aquarius or about maybe it was human. No, it wasn't human design. I didn't know about it by then, but it was something about Zodiac and my, my sign Aquarius. And it said, or maybe it was about my birthday or something. And it was like, one of your greatest lessons to learn here, actually it was the greatest lesson for you to learn here is detachment. Mm. And so I, I full wholehearted, wholeheartedly agree on that, but I just had that little click of, Though I'm going, I've been so damn convinced about this for so long. I'm going to prove, maybe not prove in terms of an ego, but show humans that you can actually do this because I know that in the way is that lesson of detachment. And that's actually, that's my soul's greatest lesson here. And here's a byproduct of it. And Wow, that's so, cl I remember reading in a book, uh, that's so clarifying, a book about, uh, it was written by Joe Dispenza, he's an amazing guy, a doctor, a, let's say a Western world doctor turned basically what many would call Eastern world doctor, in terms of mindset therapy, in terms of quantum field stuff, and at the very, for the intro of his book, uh, what's it called? Becoming Supernatural, he talks about how I don't know, a thousand, two thousand years ago. I don't think he labeled him as a shaman, but a, a call a native man in whatever country it was, put his hand through a rock and his hand imprint is about 
five inches, maybe six inches deep in that rock. And how people would speak about it and now how basically no one in the Western world believes it because they think it's a bunch of hocus pocus BS. But I genuinely think shape-shifting, well, now that you've said it, I know it's possible. But my mind, you remember this, is, is like, how? And I think that's actually what gets in the way when you try to think about how. That's that's your ego speaking like, oh, I want to do this for whatever it is, significance or whatever. Versus like, oh, let me just detach from this and then then and only then it will actually happen. I feel like that may even be like a coping mechanism in a way, because I was just thinking about how like the reason if you ask somebody like, hey, turn into a couch, they're going to be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? There's a, 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 a <laughs> <laughs> there's an, a deep association with our skin and bones and our body being the eye that this is this is the boundary of my body this is where i begin and end expanding past that like literally thinking about that right now if i move from this is my body to just my room is my body there's something very vulnerable and uncomfortable about that. And so I'm feeling like because people tend to operate in, I feel like for so long society operates from a place of, of pain. I feel like general generationally we're starting or we're starting to heal generational trauma and stuff like that. And just like really heal our own bodies and just all of this baggage carried on. But for so long, it's like, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, rather than just like squashing it all and being and finding new ways of doing things. You know what I'm saying? It's just always operating from this state of fear and trying to survive or feel more comfortable or release from the fear or something like that. Um, so I feel like fully surrendering into the idea of this couch could be me when I touch this couch maybe I can also feel it physically somehow like what does it feel like to physically be a couch or like you know what I'm saying have somebody sit on me <laughs> <laughs> um and I feel like even with like having to know how or having to set the lines of well who am I what do I like what do I not like like all of that I feel like is a way to cope or kind of because at our core we are all mm. and it's sometimes vulnerable or difficult for us to fully just be that just due to our life's experiences so I'm wondering if perhaps it's a coping mecha me mechanism uh you know, having all of this understanding, knowing A to B, um, knowing the path, whatever, because then we have something to like look forward to or something tangible to hold on to because releasing and surrendering is so uncomfortable sometimes. I, I full, fully agree with you. And I think, it, I actually really think it is. And and I'll, I'll offer more evidence on, on why I think so. It's because I love this concept. I remember I, I believe there's a huge difference, especially in terms of oneness between 99.9% .9 and 100%. And I think that if you know how to do something, that will get you 99.9% .9 of the way there. But if you don't have that trust, you're never going to get to 100%. And so when I think about like how, say, how to, how to become a coach, 
<laughs> if you have all the steps, that's 99.9%. But really, what, what are you actually looking for? And you're looking for trust. And I had this thought last night, and trust is 100%. And I remember this after listening to Alan Watts, I went to go throughout the recycling. I was hungry. And the recycling was going to take about 30 seconds. And I was like, oh, fucking, I don't want to throw out the recycling. I want to eat. Then in my mind, I was like, 30 seconds. Like, why do you want to eat? You really want to eat that bad? You're going to get upset about this. And then I was like, well, why do I want to eat? And I, I realized it's because I want to survive. And then I was like, well, why do I want to survive? And this is where it got a little interesting. It was, I could say egotistically, because I want this, I want that, I want this. And then I was like, well, if I detach from that, why why do I actually want to survive? And the answer is, I have no fucking idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I genuinely want to survive. <laughs> like, really, if you think about it, why? Like, I'm not trying to get into anything dark here, but really, like, why? And, it, and this, I believe, um, is greater than my current understanding of why I want to be here in terms of, like, my darkest moments, why I'm so here. I don't know. And And I feel like when we go to, say, become a couch, it's not that we actually don't know how. It's the fact that we're scared to die because we don't trust people around us full wholeheartedly. And like when people go to take, say, shrooms or psychedelics, they want to be with people who are not going to uh, lower their vibe. Kill them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but and I think this is a form of detachment that's way beyond, say, microdosing or even taking drugs or whatever it is, because you are literally leaving your body which you have zero control over now if anyone does anything to you. And, and that could actually be false in saying that because you always have some form of influence. But, but really, you, if you, if, slash maybe one, you leave your body, it leaves you completely vulnerable to the external environment, completely. Meaning that if you go for two minutes, <laughs> it sounds dark, but someone might have a two-minute period to kill you. <laughs> And, and, and this brings me back to my point, like, why do you want to be here? It, it exceeds my current level of understanding, but it's like, is that an ego thing to keep you here? But is it a soul thing where like your soul does not want you yet to leave your body? Is it both? Does it change? I have no idea. I'm curious your thoughts. So I feel like with the idea of like your body being vulnerable, that is with astral projecting, for example, some people get really scared of it because they feel like they're not going to be able to come back, blah, blah, blah. Again, if you're operating from the I as we are all I, none of that is applicable. Yes. Because you're all of it. If you don't want to die, then don't kill yourself. Or like, don't, you know what I'm saying? Have somebody kill you. Like it's... Um, and these concepts are sometimes kind of bizarre because I feel like unless you fully, there's a, it's, I don't know, there's just a deep experience to what I'm trying to verbalize that I feel like can get misconstrued if, because people can be like, oh, well, like this happened, like, did I ask for somebody to come rob me or something? And it's like, well, no. But also, yes, <laughs> like as, you start, <laughs> as you start, as you start diving deeper in, and I feel like I try to use my traumas to kind of offset it. So I don't just sound like I'm, I don't know where, I don't know where I'm going. I see. Um, but 
Um, I guess for like my sexual abuse, I knew it was going to happen since I was like three or four and I accepted it. Wow. Like, I feel like I didn't know the consequences, but there was just something like, I just knew somebody was going to sexually abuse me. Um, and I feel like if we are able to, this is uncomfortable and I feel like I want I feel like I need to talk about this just because it's uncomfortable. Um, I feel like if we're able to, I don't like this wording, but I'm gonna say it. If we're able to take responsibility for the experiences we have contractually created for ourselves, I feel like it allows us to take power back in times where we feel physically our power has been taken from us. Because then you realize that it was you all along. So there's nothing to be scared of, of it happening again. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that's given me peace of mind in terms of like, because a lot of my uh, triggers are like having to do with being murdered. And that's given me a lot of peace of mind where it's like, then don't murder yourself. You don't <laughs> have that experience. And that has allowed me to then trust my environment because then I'm no longer open for such an experience. Um, what were you talking about? I went, I totally changed the topic. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy you did. One, uh, I'd like to say something on the experience part. And, and so with, with any of my desires, I've been doing this more recently, instead of saying like, uh, I want, I don't know, I want to write my own book. Instead of saying that, it's like, because you also know this about me, I'm more experiential based. It's, I wonder, and I wonder is my power phrase. So I wonder what it feels like to, I wonder what the experience of say traveling to Morocco is like. Because I can think about it in my mind, but really I don't know fully until I do it. So living life more based on experiences, maybe even today it's it's sunny outside being like, I wonder what it's like if it all of a, all of a sudden it, it gets 80 degrees outside from 50 degree day. I wonder if that's even possible. And I wonder if it, what it's like and living for those experiences. And then when I have those experiences being like, okay, cool been there, done that, I'm closed off to it. Maybe not closed off to most of them, but some of them, like you said, it's like, all right. It's been fulfilled. Exactly. I I understand. I, I know what you said. Actually, I have the book right here. What you said about, I'll call it extreme ownership. I, I feel like that's, I'm going to distinguish these for a second. I feel like that's a mindset way of saying it. I wonder if there's a spiritual way of saying like, I take responsibility for this. Or like maybe I know you use the word contract. Maybe it's like a soul contract. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like that is essentially stating that there was a, a preset agreement. You agreed for a certain thing because you knew it was going to be critical for your self-development. I'm curious what your thoughts are on soul contracts and rewriting them with the akashic records i don't know that much about the akashic records um 
they're the Akashic Records. There are many ways of going about certain things. And there are like some things that are more organized, creating a system for us to easily digest and understand because we tend to like, we tend to like having something to like conceptualize and like having steps and like, you know what I'm saying? Which I feel like the Akashic records fulfills. However, they are not everything. There are other methods of tapping into the same information and doing stuff with them. So if if that is the tool you decide to use to rewrite them, go for it. But it's not the only tool. That, that was, uh, I feel so peaceful hearing that. Thank you. So <laughs> what what I'm kind of taken on with with not the Akashic Records, but there's a scene in Avatar. Uh, I think it's either, uh, no, it's Avatar and Korra. I watched both. And it's Aang and his friends and also Korra and her friends go to visit, visit, uh, <laughs> visit, visit, the, what is it called? It's like that great owl guy in the library. I don't know if you, have you seen Avatar? Okay. So basically Aang and his friends go to this underground library that has all the scrolls, all the books in the ancient world. And this owl is a spirit animal. He's the keeper of all knowledge. And so the first time I ever heard the term Akashic Records, that's that's immediately what my mind went to is like, oh, every single document in the universe on anything and everything past, present or future is there. And. And I don't think that's the only truth, I think you can go anywhere, anytime, anyone in the universe and know everything. It's a question of if you remember and also what do you want to know? And, and I think when I still have so many thoughts on and questions on time, but when you hop out of time, because time really is, it's, it's a dimension. Like you can point at, um, okay, my wall's behind me. I can point at this wall and say very scientifically, it is X feet above the ground, Y feet across from the wall and say Z feet behind me. But what about time? like okay it's three o'clock here it's at three o'clock today behind me maybe at two o'clock tomorrow it's in front of me so time is an actual dimension but and and i know we can manipulate time in terms of say getting in the flow state in terms of being in our imagination but i'm i'm still a little bit stuck on the shape shifting so we can shape shift but how can we actually time shift how can we the same way uh if you right now i'm sitting at my mom's house if i wanted to go back in time five minutes ago it's like the same thing but rather than the focus there is a slight focus on the physical but it's kind of like a more complete uh like there's more to it because I'm not necessarily just traveling to Morocco. I could, I could just be like, okay, these are my current, this is my current bubble. Oh, you know, what's weird. Sorry. I don't know. My brain is starting to open. I love your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought like, we can only see so far around us. How do we know that like, 
this is actually where we are. We're just saying it is. There's an agreement there. There's a, what is it? The something slit experiment that <laughs> looked um, where double slit experiment um, where it's like the things didn't mm-hmm. move until they were observed, right? Amber from the future popping on really quick. I wanted to explain the double slit experiment for those unfamiliar, just so that we're all on the same page. I found a little write-up that I'm going to paraphrase from kidscodecs.com. It's for kids, so I thought it was nice and easily digestible. All right, so the point of the double slit experiment is to figure out if something is a particle or a wave without having to put it under a microscope. So the premise is simple. If you pass particles through two nearby slits, they'll continue traveling forward until they hit a wall behind it. The particles will only hit the spot on the wall that are parallel to the slits. You can imagine the particles like paintballs. Only the spots on the wall adjacent to the slits will get hit. A wave, however, works a little differently. When demonstrating how a wave interacts, scientists like to shine light through the two slits because we know it's a wave and you can see the results with the naked eye. However, you can use any wave as long as you have two slits that are a wavelength apart. So when you send a light wave toward these two slots, they won't just travel through the slits and go straight to the wall. This is because when the wave goes through the slits, it creates a mini wave at each slit, which then bump into each other and mess things up. It's essentially like if you drop two stones into a pond at the same time, the ripples from each stone will meet up with one another. Some will cancel each other out and some will merge into one big mega ripple. So with this experiment, you didn't see two columns of light parallel to each other. Instead, you saw multiple blips of light where the waves merged together and darkness where the waves canceled each other out. This, the term for this is a diffraction pattern. So basically it's just stripes of varying intensities of light or shade, darkness, yeah? So if something is a particle, it travels straight through the slit and arrives on the other side. If it's a wave, it creates a diffraction pattern due to the mini waves interacting with one another. Easy peasy. Well, scientists decided to check by sending electrons through the two slits. When they did, they saw it made a diffraction pattern. That means electrons move like a wave. However, Things got weird when they only sent electrons through one of the two slits. So removing the second one, this is now just a singular slit, sending electrons through that, it still made a diffraction pattern, even though there was no second wave interfering with the first. It was almost as if the first wave was interacting with itself to make the pattern. Utterly confused, (laughs) the scientists decided to double check what the electrons were doing, so they set up equipment to watch the electrons. In doing so, the electrons straighten themselves out and only hit the wall parallel to the slits, just like particles do. That being said, we can say that electrons have both the capabilities of a wave and a particle. It's how you handle it that dictates what it is at a given time. So there was some sort of interference that happened when we observed it. That exchange, somehow the electrons knew they were being observed, (laughs) and they changed the way that they interacted, which is very fascinating. So that is what we are discussing. Back to the past. So it's like, how do I know that I'm not actually just sitting in this weird bubble that is projecting all of this stuff around? Because as I keep moving around in my physical body, I can't see what's in the house across the way because I'm not there. How do I even know it exists? 
Exactly. Maybe I'm just saying it is. And so I feel like with time or space or any kind of like teleportation in that regard, it's almost like resetting your bubble, like understanding that it doesn't exist. It is all just a reflection of you and what you're agreeing to perceive. Oh, yes. And I'm so, so happy you brought up the double slit experiment. So I have a from when I was a little kid, I also studied it in college, a quantum physics background. And and I get such a clear answer when you say that. I genuinely believe that, say, hopping out of time, the only, maybe not the only way, the only way that I current, the best way that I currently know is to actually go inward to a point where jo Dr. Joe Dispenza says this, there's nothing, nowhere, no time, and nobody. Mm -hmm. And you, you've, you're literally... You all, it's so interesting. You always are this. Some reason we don't believe it all the time or we forget it sometimes. Where you go to where you are just that energy field and nothing more. And quantum and everything quantum revolves around that principle in the double slit experiment. Everything was going different ways until you measured it and then it it picked one and only one. And then, which is so, so fucking crazy if you think about it, because we are literally just made out of that. Meaning that there is somewhere in our brain that says, if I want to pick something else, the way to get there is to basically not pick anything and then to pick something else. You can't, which is, which is also, uh, my mind's going to go on a tangent. I'm going to spew some stuff for about two minutes. So let's, let's <laughs> I'm going to close my eyes for this. So <laughs> we go, so immediately my mind is like, if you, if you pick something else, you have that space in between, say like right now, I'm like, okay, I'm picking, talking to Amber versus I'm picking, talking to Turt. Okay. But in, in between that, say physically speaking, there was space, there was nothing. You breathe in and you breathe out. What happens after you breathe out before you breathe in There's space, there's nothing. And you're not even aware of it until I tell you to be aware of it. And then you're aware of it. So there's always nothingness. It's just that we're not aware of it, but would it be nothingness if we weren't aware of it? If we were aware of it, I have no idea. So when I talk about like, oh, you have to not pick anything and then pick something else, you already are doing that. And it's an illusion if I say that because it's already happening. So meaning like, if if you want to exist somewhere else, you already do. And it's an illusion that it's not happening because it already is happening. And so I think instead of trying to be somewhere else, you just don't even try. Exactly. And and I think that's where our ego gets so attached. Like, oh, I need to, I need to try. I need to know the how. And it's like, no, just do it. And and you you gave me that so many months ago. You're like, oh, just just do it. And I was so irritated when you said that. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck does she mean? Just do it. But it's so true. It's like just just do it, man. Just you don't need to overshoot it. I remember you telling me that. It was like, I'll just do it. And it's like, yeah, just 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 do it. Just be it. It's it's really that simple. And wow. It's, this is giving me a different perspective on the ego because I feel like it's what kind of anchors us to mm -hmm. this present, to this like physical dimension. And I'm wondering if perhaps by befriending it and kind of letting it do its thing, then it it's almost like a relationship. Like a, like rather than having like a, a weird of um, attachment style where it's like 
it's like jealous and it's scared and you're scared and you can't like, like there's all this bickering and like, you know what I'm saying? But of just having this very like free, secure relationship, Mm. secure, healthy attachment style. And you're like, cool, I'm just going to go out real quick. Like (laughs) you hang out here, (laughs) I'll be back later, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. I must share this with you. I just had deja vu about two months ago speaking with you on you're on the left side of my screen hashtag zoom so this is beautiful so okay um there's there's so many books written on this and I've never agreed with the concept and you brought it up right there's one book by this guy named Ryan Holiday and it's literally titled ego is the enemy and I I don't like that one bit because I don't like it that's so interesting because it's like (laughs) Your ego is actually saying that ego is the enemy. <laughs> so it's fighting itself, which is like, what? It makes no, it's, it's for, for lack of a better word, it, to me, it's, it's, it's an uninformed decision. I'm not going to call it stupid. It's uninformed. It's, it's misguided. And so, like you said, healthy attachment style, it's like, and, and I'm <sighs> sure it's also the, the root chakra, the sacral, and I think it's the root that keeps us held here the most, I think. Um, does that also mean that those chakras are part of your ego? I just had a wonderful, you know, sometimes when it comes to material, it's not necessarily like the message that matters, but it's what the message causes. And I feel like for your thing, like the ego is the enemy. It's not necessarily like that, that matters, but it's the realization and the understanding that it is created for you that matters. Oh, it's very true. I've, yeah. I remember uh, two-ish years ago having that little realization that instead of trying to hate myself, aka hate my ego and be like, shame on you for not doing that, I could actually try to understand it and befriend it and say, okay, one of the principles I operate out of is pain and pleasure. Meaning if, if both say there's only, only two choices, it's either I go do this uncomfortable thing and I grow or I don't, I'm going to basically tell my ego that is scared of, of doing it. Hey man, like this will bring us so many amazing things and we can live such a better life doing this and help so many more people and blah, 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 blah. And then my ego's like, you know what, man, you're right. Let's go do it. And it will be so much easier instead of trying to be like, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm a super powerful man, <laughs> whatever it is. My ego's like, bullshit, you're scared of shit right now. <laughs> so befriending my ego has, has really helped me so much so much but I'm super curious too now because I've never thought to relate the double slit experiment with chakras because really your chakras are I'll say just light really everything is but what would happen if you didn't take it a step beyond for a second what would happen if you didn't measure yourself and my friend Gabe gave me this idea one day um, and I did it a few days in a row. Eventually, eventually, I got bored, of course. 
meditate <laughs> 45 minutes in the morning outside on the grass, no music, no nothing, doing nothing. And it was some of the most peaceful times in my life because I fully, I think at least I fully detached from it, at least at a few points. And now, right now I go to think about that and immediately my mind's like, oh, you don't have time to do that. Or like, you need to read, walk, et cetera, eat in the morning before blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, now, what if in the least, least opportune time I actually did this? Because I feel like that's, it's not, that's not the only time, but that's, I feel like for me, at least that's the best time when you get enlightened, when it seems like the least opportune time to do things. Mm. And it feel it definitely feels right. So I think I'm publicly making it here a little bit of a challenge for the next what, January 30th, five days to meditate 45 minutes in the morning doing absolute shit. Um, I can feel myself getting nervous as I say this because my mind's like, oh, you have this to do that, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I hear it. It's like, it's like that, that scene in SpongeBob, if you, if you watch it, where um, there's, he's in his head and there's all these mini SpongeBobs at the desk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting. I feel like this past week when my anxiety because my anxiety was funky. I just could not, like I had so much stuff to do and it was stressing me out, but I felt like I just, I needed to rest. And I was like, well, I have all this stuff to do. And I felt the need to just let go and be like, it's going to get done. Calm the fuck down. Like there have been so many times where I've been like, oh, I've got so much to do. And I don't, you know, and it all gets done. It's done. <laughs> and it all got done. And I rested a lot. <laughs> um, yeah uh it's interesting what were you saying about the chakras so the root chakra connects us the lower three chakras are tied to the physical body okay the heart chakra bridges between the physical body to um, the energetic and then the other ones are in the energetic when we die um it's like the energy essentially comes out from the physical layer you know, because we are no longer, it almost is like, that's what keeps us attached to this body, animating it. That's so interesting. I, I just had that realization now that, of course, all your, I'll say your true desires reside in your heart, because it's the bridge, the infinite between the material world, which is like, part of your desires and the energetic world, which is also the other part which is so it's where say your ideas become physical which is your heart so what why am i forgetting the wait so you have the root is it wait is the sacral the same as solar plexus or are those different those are different okay so it goes what is it root sacral sacral solar, solar uh-huh okay. and then heart throat where where is your root um at the base of your spine okay so is it all right, let's let's do this for a sec. If I'm to stand up, is it like okay? Is it like down here? <laughs> is, it, is it underneath me, or is it like? Down no, it'll here. here. I'll stand up too. It'll be coming out from both. <laughs> <laughs> <I love it. laughs> and then your sacral is my belly button's right here. So your sacral is here, your solar plexus is here, your heart is here. So I'm going to have. I just had a thought. 
when I was in middle school, I spoke about this on my podcast before. I was, <laughs> I wish you could see how I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what position I'm in. I have like a foot in each hand <laughs> straddling the chair. Um, when I was in middle school, my mom fell asleep and I saw her energy body come from her. Oh no, that wouldn't make, uh, I'm going to chase it. I saw her energy body come out from her body, went, uh, floated up to the ceiling, and then she started snoring. And then later I saw her energy body come back down. It came into her body and she woke up. And so I was like, whoa, that's fascinating. Does that happen to everybody? You know, like when we dream and it can if we leave, but I'm thinking we are able to, ah, we are, this is just, this doesn't feel like a totally accurate, but this feels like it's just setting the seeds for something. Okay. When we, we are able to astral travel, we are able to remain present in the astral body. When we're shape-shifting, I don't necessarily know if we literally physically change shape or if we just become present in something else. You get what I'm saying? Very much so. And I'm having goosebumps as they're saying this. Oh, nice. Rashad calls those truth bumps. <laughs> um, <laughs> So with time manipulation, even, I think the focus is not on physical manipulation, but rather moving into another you. Oh. And I think like with our lower chakras or the ego or, you know, I think it's just there to keep, to have some sort of anchor point for our bodies because right now this is just where we're choosing to reside it's like our home base you know so it's kind of keeping us in our home base uh and I think we get confused and think that that is us then but you can still have your home and travel my heart is so happy I'm having so many realizations and there's this I don't know if you've seen the movie I, I think it's called everything everywhere all at once and I think it came out in 2022 and it's about uh, I won't spoil much of it but basically it's about this this woman uh, I forget she's like a middle-aged Chinese woman who eventually like projects her consciousness into other versions of her but she has this physical scientific tool to help her do so but I'm really, so I also believe that with a lot of science fiction books and movies, they're pretty much on track. It's just like, they, they basically predict the future because they're all imaginary. And then we get there like flying cars is another one, et cetera, et cetera. And I really believe like what you said is so, it's, it's I don't think it's the objective truth, but I think it's very close to it. It's like, what you do is sim simply put yourself in a different version of you or a completely different you. And it's, it's that simple. 
I think where we get caught up is we get too stuck in the logistics of things because then in my head it's like well then what happens to the body or what's happening to the consciousness of the thing I'm jumping into like we get too stuck in the logistics which then takes us pulls us off of this state of like no it's you it's literally the same as you blinking right now like you're just blinking from like walk across the room and blink there that's what you're doing but you're not walking there you know when you say that about what happens if yeah if you wait i'm gonna pause on that for a second i feel like okay i've I've so much to say on this so this this has to come up before i say and i hope i remember the other thing so this is january so about six six months ago it was june and july i was walking my dogs around the neighborhood and I had a thought, and I did this a few times, but this time I genuinely felt my body say like a hard no. My heart like pinched me super hard, which is like, do not do this. I was like, okay. But my thought was, I wonder what would happen if I projected my spirit. I was looking at a street lamp down the road and, and stood. So not into the street lamp, but like where that street lamp was, projected my spirit there and just, just stood there watching myself in my heart full-blown rejected and was like do not do this right now and I still have no idea why but the idea that that was true is like we can do that we we really can and then when you say get caught up in the logistics of things I'm gonna share sort of it was a little traumatic but nothing like huge for my own traumas this is just a micro one that is not a micro it's a smaller one I had this girlfriend in high school and we were super in love, super in love, super in love. And it was, it was toxic love. And, and what? So I was in Rome. No, I was in Venice at the time. We had broken up for college, but basically we just, we, we fought so fucking much. And we broke up and this is a few months later. We broke up in April. I think this was June or July. And she was texting me that night. It was, for me, it was around the uh, 10 no it was around 11 30 10 30 11 30 ish and for her it was like 4 30 5 30 ish and she was getting ready at a concert to go to a concert and we were broken up and I was super I was super insecure and I was super paranoid she's gonna get with someone long story short she ended up doing it I ended up texting her all night saying what's going on what's going on and eventually she was ignoring me she's like I got with someone and my heart broke like fully broke and she either blocked me on Snapchat or unadded me. Same thing with my number, blocked my number. So I couldn't text. I was panicking. I was like, what now? I lost the love of my life. Life is oh. over. Holy shit. But at the time, I was so sad. And that entire night, I stayed up staring at a white wall. And that's it. Like nothing. I I remember 8.30 or like 7.45-ish, 8.30-ish, the sun started to rise. It was late that day. And I was like, holy shit, what happened? And I realized I was, I was simply staring at the wall the entire night, like thinking nothing, absolutely nothing. And it was crazy. I feel a little sad for myself in saying that, but I remember hearing this voice that morning saying it will all be okay. And then fast forward to about six months in the past, so about June, July again, I decided to heal that trauma of mine and tell myself, it will all be okay. And then I realized that, that voice I heard that day was me speaking to myself. That ah, day. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. 
it was it still it still makes me emotional but it was it was so crazy and I got I still get so happy as I realized this because I was like wow I can really do that we can really walk ourselves through our past before I'll say before it happens and after it happens and it's like holy fucking shit that's crazy like wow oh that just made me think I had a, there's this girl that I worked with years ago and she used to say um, that she always felt like she was being guided by her future self somehow. And I always thought that was fascinating. And I go through that a lot throughout the day where it's like, if I'm sad or if I'm feeling something and I hear a message, it's like, what if this is me the whole time? And that started making me think about how I was saying, like when I was like three, four, and I felt like I was going to get sexually abused, like just the warning of it. What if that was me preparing myself? You know, because it's interesting the way that I interact with my, or the way that my child self feels has changed so much. I mean, when you heal, you heal all versions of you, you know? Um, oh, wow. And I feel like that just speaks volumes as to that. Coming to accept stuff. Because when I was a kid too, I didn't know what it meant, but I was like, okay, whatever, sure. It was just like a weird piece of information that I didn't have any emotional attachment to. And I feel like at this point, there is some emotional attachment or just feelings of like, you know, when I think about the trauma, but for the most part, I talk about it without issue. Like it has, it's just a sentence or it's just a thing. It's just an event. Hmm. And I'm wondering if that seed was planted when I was young. Yeah, I definitely feel like it was. And shit so i i got another truth what does what rashad call them truth bumps yeah <laughs> got more of those motherfuckers so <laughs> with these so-called truth bumps of michael's i think actually i'll say i know because they're truth bumps i know that we are always guiding ourselves and and when when you said when you heal you you're healing all versions of you so uh, lazy is not uh, oh okay so one of the mindset shifts I loved that my friend told me was I used to say I'm so impulsive and he said you're not impulsive you're action oriented I still think I'm a little impulsive but now I say I'm action oriented and now that I think I was about to say this is a little bit lazy but it's not lazy it's efficient and so when I hear you say that it's like I'm not lazy I'm efficient so I think about well if I heal this, I'm healing all versions of me. It's like, okay, so meaning my healing is exponential because if I'm healing something, for example, the thing that stuck with me so much in my life was being super self-conscious. If I'm healing a trauma or an event that I feel self-conscious at, that means all the events that supersede that and um, precede that, I'm also healing because I'm showing up that version of healed me there. Meaning mm -hmm. it really is, I never realized that. Laziness is an interesting thing. Uh, I was watching this video 
that was talking about how the idea of laziness was really like socially well in the U.S. like it was really emphasized during the slave trade to get people to to like train people to work harder where it was like a bad thing if you didn't work hard because they just wanted as much work done in as short amount of time as possible so you're like literally psycho- psychologically like brainwashing people to think that moments of calm are bad that's that's scary true i fully yeah and as i we we've talked about this so much uh, it's still it's i still see patterns of it and i'm still working on it one of the things is like i have so much to do the hustle culture it's it's pretty much i say this very carefully because i know it exists out there i'll say i'll say it like this it is privileged slavery that's how i'll say it it's 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 so it's so bullshit you don't have to rush to do anything you don't need to do 100 things in a fucking day it's okay to be calm in fact it's even better to be calm than to not be and it's it's I actually have a book and I remember there are a few books I buy just because I don't like the title. And this was one of them at the time. And I'm like, when I when I buy it, I'm like, I disagree with this so much and I want to see why. So I'm going to read it. And I've actually not read probably more than about 20 pages of this book, but I love the concept of it. And I'm looking at it and it's laziness does not exist. It talks about depression, about lack of motivation, about et cetera, et cetera. And ever since I've read those 20 pages, may, I might finish reading it one day. It's it's really true. It's it's as I call it, it's a cycle. A lot of things are patterns. It's like, okay, back and I say this because I still know it exists. I'll say American, um, I'll say plantation slavery. Now, for the most part, because there are there's actual still slavery. I'll say has now transgressed into capitalism, hustle culture, slavery. And so it's like, okay, now what? There's an idea that it's like the poor people or the people that are lower in the socioeconomic classes are the ones that work the hardest. They work so fucking much and they don't get that much. And the people that are at the top, and obviously there are this there's also like exceptions to this but the people at the top usually don't work as hard and they make the most that's bullshit agreed uh so many thoughts um i do want to get your thoughts on this i've been talking about this a lot so i have a background and i'll say a science science as america as western culture sees it in biology physics chemistry etc and Something I believe to be fundamentally true. So it's the year, t- I'm still looking fucking calendar, man. It's the year 2023. <laughs> so Jesus Christ. So I don't Dates know. are overrated. Live whatever <laughs> day you want to live. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I just arrived to my mom's yesterday and she had this medical emergency happening. She did not know. She blacked out. She was laying down and she was like, I'm so nauseous. I don't even know what day it is. And my stepdad would be like, it's Sunday. She's like, I'm so nauseous. I don't even know what day it is. He's like, it's Sunday. And she did that for like two hours. I got here. We had the same conversation 
in the exact same way for three hours where she was like, oh, I don't even know what day it is. And I'd be like, it's Sunday. And she's like, oh man. It's like, why am I wearing this? And I was like, oh, you had a biopsy on Friday. And she's like, I did. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh my gosh, it's three in the afternoon. The whole day is shot. What day is it today? It's <laughs> <laughs> why am I wearing this? Because you had a biopsy on Friday. Oh, oh my gosh. It's, it's like literally the exact same words. <laughs> oh man, yesterday was crazy. Um, but anyways, that's making me think of like, who the fuck cares what day it is? <laughs> that was like the most optimal, like being in the <laughs> present moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a lady. I don't know her name, but she, she gave a TED talk and she talked about how I'll say she had a moment like a mom. No, 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 no. She had, okay. God forbid with your mom. She had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> no it was really scary luckily my mom did not have a stroke um her veins it's an it's caused from an overfilling in her veins she just had a procedure and she overworked herself working out which causes an overfilling of the brain of the veins and then somehow that causes amnesia it was very weird oh my god my scientific mind is oh i'm so curious about this okay i will do some research um this this lady who had the stroke, um, she ex experienced oneness, and her life has never been the same, of course. And she talks about, uh, is it the left hemisphere or the right? Whatever the one is, is that like step one, step two, the mathematical, logical side uh, mm -hmm. um, shut off during her stroke. And she was completely, I'll say one with, I think it's the right hemisphere is a creative one. Um, I could be wrong there. I don't know. It's It's one or the other. And she was like, I'm going to stick my bets here. It's the right one. <laughs> and she was one with the right hemisphere. And she was like, You're right. Oh, oh let's go. Score <laughs> one for us. <laughs> and it's so, it's so crazy. But I don't know why I felt the need to bring that up. But I'm, I'm curious with you. So, uh, Granted, like I'm in the coaching space, I'm soon to use advertising. And, and one of the ways of advertising I might use is AI. And I've done a lot of research on this outside of advertising. It merely um, piqued my interest where then my curiosity followed exponentially. So it, I, I, looking at patterns of history, you have Homo sapiens before whatever came before that. But basically, We've evolved so much that if we were to meet, say, our ancestors 60,000 years ago and show them a computer, they'd have no idea what the fuck we're, we're even, like, who we even are. They wouldn't even look at us as the same people. And then I think about, okay, AI, and there are a few videos on this. There's a, what's called a humanoid named Sophia, um, who is, who's like scary. I won't say scary smart. That's, that's not true, but she's very smart. And uh, I had this talk with a friend a few days ago. It's, it, there's a book on this. It's called the singularity is near. And it talks about technology and how it's exponentially increasing. Like how I'll say 60 years ago, computers didn't really exist in terms of like silicon mm -hmm. and chips and stuff. And now it's like, AI has increased like fourfold within half a year. And it's like, okay, so it's exponentially growing. And so like within 10, maybe there's more Sophia's like humanoids, like who have 
four limbs, two two hand, uh, two arms, two legs, and then twenty years is like fifty thousand, and then thirty years is like three hundred million. For example, it's exponential growth. Putting a point here, but it's like at what point will not become smarter, but basically to keep it simple, computers think in terms of one and zeros. Human consciousness can think in terms of one and zeros and then both. That's how you're conscious. You can be anywhere and nowhere at the same time. And so computers are coming out. They're called quantum computers that can do that. So is there a point that AI can have a consciousness? Because really that's what consciousness is. It's existing in the energy field. And that's what quantum computers are aiming. Like that's why they're being created to do that. And then if we're really in my scientific mind, when so, because humans will keep following their curiosity as they should, what happens? And do eventually human us as humans, we start to realize that, I say this very carefully, there is essentially no point of us continuing to live and we basically pass the torch to AI because... The I don't feel like we have such a deep deep desire to survive for like how you're saying for no yeah. reason okay that i don't know that people would completely surrender i definitely feel like we would somehow become part robot I feel like that's inevitable what what do you think that would look like like what do you think the first step there is it's obvious it, to me it's like not it's not a biological arm do you think it's like a chip in your brain or something yeah I, they're, they're already working on brain chips Neuralink or whatever it's called yeah exactly so it's already in motion um my boyfriend made a good point actually we were having this conversation our phones are attached to us constantly oh granted it's not a part of our body but it's like an extension of us that you know um yeah there are brain chips like i feel like we have technology that's implanted like pacemakers or like, you know, there's like technology that's implanted in our bodies to help with functioning. I think it's just going to continue getting more advanced. I've, I've had a thought on this for so long. This goes back what we were talking about earlier. I think it takes a little, it takes a different form of physical manifestation. You have a house. I have a house. And one day okay i have a laptop you have a laptop i think what if it's really it's not a what if it's a when to me we have a device on our wrist or maybe on our phone where tap a button and our physical laptop now becomes an energetic laptop and maybe we don't even need a physical laptop or a physical house we can literally hit a button and our house gets almost like a camping tent into something we can walk somewhere else and say button and that's okay. Now we, our house is here. And because it's, it's, this is not the best way of explaining it, but it's like, everything is going to be holographic. I genuinely believe within uh, 20 to 30 years, it's a bit generous, 60 to 80 years. Well, not everything, uh, but really potentially everything. The and, things have been moving so quickly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like what is what does that even mean and it's i have so much to say on this but as i think you know this as as, as maybe even better than i do that i'll say the education industry in terms of like information 
spirituality, mindset, coaching, health and wellness, holistic nutrition, et cetera, et cetera, is becoming more mainstream slowly but surely and is truly expanding. So it's like, to me, like that's the next, say, computer. It's like the next thing. And like, what's after that? When every human knows everything, like what's what's next? I, we, with the conversation with Rashad, we kind of, I really love, I feel like this conversation complements that conversation really well. And I feel like it only speaks to the connection that we all have together. <laughs> um, but Rashad and I were talking about how there's an emphasis on technological advancements. Mm. Right now we live in a binary system. So naturally, I feel like as that increases, the overemphasis on energetic is also gonna increase because there's a balance that is being struck. I feel like, so I guess, I think, I don't know. I think it has to do with this step into 5D consciousness, but I genuinely feel like we're going down this path where we are just going to be kind of more connected to the whole collective. And if you look at like other ET collectives, they are all very connected energetically, but they also have very advanced technology. Um, so where it's even like you're able to use your mind and energy to then like have this interaction with technology and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like it's perhaps it's hard to conceptualize because it's like we don't even know what that's going to look like or what tools are going to be at our disposal. It's like it's like there are so many ET collectives that are so advanced and I don't understand what the hell they're using or how, or, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like we have the potential to get there as well. That brings me to a question of, since we're all the universe experiencing itself and, and Chelsea went over this a little bit with, with archangels, we, we all have the potential to stay with, with them to have our thoughts immediately. I remember talking to you about this, but the limiting belief in a pen, say, versus, I, I might've said like million dollars. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. like, um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. If, if things are more heavy than other things. Yeah. And and you, you thankfully told me that's a limiting belief, which is so such a duh to me now. But at the time I was like, huh? And, <laughs> and so it's like, same thing with thoughts. Like immediately, like, if they if if they can do it so can we and i think that's the good part of the ego and and um oh this is where i was going so if they can do it so can we we'll say with manifesting thoughts immediately but also et's coming here maybe one of the ways maybe they're actually physically i say physically because they're like energetically here but like physically here or and you know more about this than I do. They project, I don't, maybe they do other things probably as well, project their consciousness here. Like archangels say they project, project. I don't know if that's the best word, but project their consciousness 50,000 places at the same time. If they can do that, so can we. And and so what my fun mind goes to, it's like, oh, I wonder what it's like to walk on Mars. And you have experience doing this pretty much. Mm. So, so. Like, what is it like? 
it's kind of loud for some reason. Hold on, I'm trying to tap into there right now. It sounds windy, but there's not really wind, so I don't know what the sound is. Um, but it's very loud. Um, it's there's a lot of pebbles. The dirt feels very hard, or very like, you know, that kind of the that dirt that you try to plant on, but it's like not proper properly nourished soil so it's like really hard like rock but it has that like dusty outer surface that's what it's like um it's very pebbly and a lot of like very rocky it's kind of like hot or at least the part that i'm connected to right now feels kind of stuffy for some reason I'm, ha I'm having another deja vu right now. It's beautiful. Something tells me I'm going to have three. I'm having more thoughts on what it's, but it's really like to live in another, I'm not in, oh, maybe, maybe as well, live in another planet, live on another planet. And I, I really, I really think a path or maybe the path to human growth is being able to do less and to be more and or to be less therefore being more and like the shamans like the native americans like the native australians like natives many natives to many different countries ha really have it right it's getting in touch with nature and it's oh, it's so weird to me because because my I'll say, I'll distinguish something. My scientific brain wants to say, invent new technology to change the world. And then my spiritual brain is like, like, man, you, and, and I'm convinced I'm changing the world while I say this. My spiritual brain is, is uh, tap into the infinite potential, go inward always. And that's how you change the world. And it, it's a, it's such a weird balance because I know intuitively that they're not at war with each other. But sometimes my mind is like, well, these things are so polar opposites. It doesn't make sense how both of them can exist at the same time. I just had a thought. I don't usually connect to things in this way, but sorry, I'm going back. Please. When you had asked about Mars I saw myself like it felt like I was in a spacesuit so I was like looking down and I saw myself like kicking the ground um and this feeling of stuffiness is so overpowering which doesn't make sense it almost feels humid but Mars wouldn't feel humid it's cold and I'm wondering I had the realization that it's like I feel like the way that I tapped in right now is very purposeful for this conversation of it's like, I think I'm tapping into at some point, perhaps a human will land on Mars. And I think I'm tapping into their experience of it. Like the, the suit feels warm, you know? I got more tooth bumps. <laughs> Shit. Wow. So then I'm wondering if perhaps the noise is like the wind on this material or something. I feel like a way that humans will get to Mars, maybe to Saturn, other planets as well. And and uh, I I've always loved science fiction so much and time and and I don't know how much you know about this, but 
the concept of like the speed of light of course but i remember from the flash distinctively there was a they call it a particle it's called a tachyon it's a particle that goes faster than the speed of light and at the time i was like that's how you go in the past you go faster than the speed of light um and i could go on and on and on about this but what i'm getting to right now is if you are projecting your consciousness or you're living in someone else's say physical body in the future or in the past actually i'm going to discard that like what the fuck is going on how no 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 michael we're not getting wrapped up in the house for a second man what what is actually going on there and i i don't know what i'm where i'm going with this but when you said that my my desire to get in touch with my i'll say projections i felt it increase literally 20,000 fold and i've always i i think we talked yeah we did I, I we talked about the black hole and what it's like to be inside of a black hole but I've always wondered, and, and I say this carefully because my curiosity I know will take me here, what it's like to be, I'll say, temporarily free-floating in space safely. And I'm curious if you've ever done that. I know you visited- Floated in space? Yeah. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Just floated around. You don't feel scared doing that? No, when I'm in space, I feel very safe and at home. Like there's like, it feels very warm and like relaxing. And I feel like it may be because, I mean, I know part of my soul comes from these beings that are essentially like encompassing everything. So naturally expansive things don't bring me fear. They bring me a lot of peace because I my energy feels safe stretching out to it all, you know? Yeah, I feel like at home and at peace floating. Because it's almost like the planets or just any kind of space debris or whatever feels like a little friend and we're just all kind of hanging <laughs> out together, you know? I see like big commander Amber like kicking planets around having fun. <laughs> <laughs> is Is there a sensation and maybe you could describe it is there a sensation a color a feeling a thought I don't know if thought but a thought you've had that's unexplainable in human terms I get those very often and I try my best to conceptualize the abstract because similar to we both are very experience-based people like the sensations that I get when I see, like right now, the sky looks beautiful and I have a very visceral reaction to it. And I think this comes through, or this, this I've trained myself with um, dance because movement in itself comes from like expression and just feeling. Um, so I've had to learn how to like put abstract concepts into words so that other people can kind of embody it a little bit I think that's where that comes from so I try my best but I have that a lot that it's like there are things that are just very difficult to explain 
I'm with you. I've I've seen a few different colors before, but I have no no form of human language to describe even even to myself the colors that I've seen. And and I I, I it's not accurate to say they're a combination of say I'm looking at colors right now, green and red, because they're not. It's an entirely different color. I just had my third deja vu. I knew it. <laughs> and I wonder how, because also on this term, I also know that the human mind is infinite. So there must be a way to explain the unexplainable. Because I'm having of- a weird deja vu. Sorry, I totally oh. interrupted you. Oh, yay. Um, I feel like you said green and blue and it like took me, I feel like I'm melting into some sort of like memory, but it's not a memory because I don't have it, but it exists in time and it's Christmas time. I'm seeing like a crayon drawn Christmas tree. Um, and I'm seeing like the corner of a room and I see you and you have a sweater on like a, a green and white Christmas sweater. There's a Christmas tree. There's like green carpet and there are walls, everything's decorated. Um, and I feel like where I'm with you as well, it seems to be some sort of party. And I feel like we're eating cookies. I think you have like a glass of milk, but it feels warm. Um, yeah, so weird, but it's very apparent. It's almost like it's like trying to really like take my consciousness there where I'm having a hard time remaining present. That's so interesting. Is it is it a future? Is it a past life is it a parallel life i think it's a parallel that's so interesting i'm gonna try to tap into that too this is interesting i'm having so many different thoughts right now we're hearing a few different things i feel you like flickering in and out in this uh specific reality like I feel your energy come in and it like comes in and then it like goes out and it's like in out, in out, in out. it's like teetering can you feel the temperature I just did it was nice and warm yeah it was like a nice type of cozy warm yeah exactly can you feel the texture of your sweater a little bit not not greatly but I can feel it it's not like that type of it's it's not like that type of I don't know if this is the right not brand um material it's not like wool and itchy it's also not like cotton and itchy it's not but it has a slight little like feeling to it almost like exactly yeah what do you hear I hear a Christmas song also I see something white I don't know if it's snow if it's a white kitchen we're right near the kitchen yeah we're like right off the kitchen the kitchen's across the way and the light is on in the kitchen um so it looks significantly brighter whereas everything else is a little bit more like try not to melt your energy is like melting into the body a bit which is weighing it down and morphing things a little bit try to stay light focus on the heart What's so interesting as you said that when I was melting my heart, give me a pinch, like don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that catch. Let it show you what it wants to show you. Try not to look too hard. There you go. I'm feeling it. It feels a lot gentler. 
That was so beautiful. Wow. I felt so at peace. I felt so happy. Yeah. I felt so light and connected and cozy. Did you did did you see anything else? I'm curious. So across from the kitchen is like a dining room table. Um, at first I was hearing a lot of people talking. A lot of people were in the kitchen, like washing dishes. So there's a lot of like clinking and clanking and whatever. What's interesting is your energy. So I was kind of over here in the day's events. Let's say if this was a Christmas party, I was like right here. Um, and your energy settled in over here where things were kind of calming, people were leaving. And it was just that like calm after the storm kind of feeling where it's just getting very cozy. So then I met you over there. And at that point, things felt like the smell of the Christmas tree was stronger. Um, I felt the pricks from the, like I backed into the Christmas tree by accident. Um, there was a living room off to the other side um, with like a little rug under the coffee table. Um, there's pictures on the walls, there's curtains. Um, it's definitely snowing outside. Wow. I gotta, I gotta get over that. Yeah. So I saw snow too, but for some reason I didn't want to say it, but it was snowing outside. I heard some laughter. I don't know if it was adults mixed with children. I don't know if it was just children. I don't know if it was like, by children, I mean anyone up to 18. I don't know. I don't know. It was, damn, that was so, that was so heartwarming. <laughs> I felt so right. And and yeah. what, I, what I like to make a note of is, I don't even remember how that came up. I don't, I think you tapped into it. You said green, you're seeing green and red. And then that That's totally right. took me into. Okay. It's, I, I, I think I'm illustrating this point to myself. We didn't even, well, okay, I, I I tried a little bit, but we didn't even have to try to tap into that. It just, it just happened, which is a fundamental belief, man. Life is weird. Life is weird. <laughs> it's so, so goddamn beautiful though. Wow. I feel like I kind of want to end things here. This was nice. Like. And no, this was so fun. Let's do this again. It was it was a lot of fun. I don't even know what to say. Um, I'm so I'm so grateful for you. This was so much fun. I learned so much as always. And Tert's been here, of course, watching me. <laughs> so I'll speak with you soon, one of me. And Oh, Ter wants to say bye. So we're going to say bye. Bye, my friends. I love you guys. Thanks for being here. We love you too. We'll speak soon. Yes, yes. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, Michael, so much for joining. This was such a good conversation. I appreciate you just, <laughs> I just, you're just so good. I just love you so much. <laughs> Again, if you want to get in touch with him, you can find him at ournewenergy.com or on Instagram at Michael with the 17 before the L. So M-I-C-H-A-E 17L. Go check him out. I'm sending you guys love. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. 
I will see you guys very soon. Thank you so much for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about me, my work, and such, you can visit channelwithamber.com or follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. A special thank you to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time. Thank you.